Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday night, as I'm recording this uh, on an off day. I was initially going to record this on Sunday night with a, a nice friend of the program who was more than happy to be here, and I'm happy that he is here. Uh, I was initially going to record this on Sunday night with Asher Levy. Uh, I got food poisoning that night, decided, hell no, I'm not doing this. There's just there's just too much for me to do and focus on that I do not want to have to get up for a podcast as well. So I apologize if you sent in your questions on that day, expecting a podcast that morning. Uh, sorry. But fortunately, we do have questions now, and we have a lot of questions I think that we can answer going into this thing uh, that, that have aged perfectly fine. So without further ado, my friend of the program, Asher Levy, contributor on Denver Stiffs, one of the newest guys that we have here. He is here to speak with us. Asher, how are you, my friend? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's the holiday season. A whoopty do, a dickery dock, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I've been good. It's, <laughs> you're, it's you're a bright ray of sunshine today, aren't you? <laughs> just, just a, a, yeah. I've had uh, one, two less cup of. I've I haven't had enough coffee today. Uh, <laughs> one, one, two, few cups. There you one, go. Two, yeah, leave that in. Leave that in for the. Uh, oh, oh, I will. <laughs> I'm, I'm producing, and this is, this is how I produce. Is I leave everything in so people understand. Yes, you are human. Uh, And I think that people, people appreciate that. So uh, Asher is at Twitter at Ash Manzini, uh, A-S-H-M-A-N-Z-I-N-I. Make sure to give him a follow. He does a lot of great work for the Nuggets, but also he has a Patreon that you should definitely subscribe to if you're interested in draft content. So make sure to go check that out. Uh, Asher, the Nuggets are 14 and 13 right now. They're above 500 for the first time in a while. I'm very curious to hear your initial thoughts on where you think Denver's at. Uh, We're about a third of the way through the season. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really is a a third of the way, 27 games. And it feels like Denver's turned a corner, right? Like Jokic is in his bag. Denver's offense is playing really well. The the bench is going to suck, but they, they have enough in their starting unit that it seems like things are mostly good right now. Do you, do you sort of feel the same way? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Thank God. Cause I was not having a good time for that long stretch of time where they were not good, but now they're turning a the corner. They're five and three. I want to say in their last eight. Yep. After that, what six game losing streak. I want to say. Yeah, it was horrendous. It was, it was awful. Yep. Uh, you can chuck a lot of that up though, to them not having Jokic. I'm pretty sure on the season with Jokic, they're what 13 and seven or something like that. Uh, to something. Uh, to that effect. Yes. Well, so, th- so they are, I think it's 13 and eight. So they've missed them for five games. Uh, one of those games, they won the other four, they lost. So they're one and four without them. They're 14 and 13 now. So 13 and nine, 13 and nine. Yeah. Which in the Still West that has been really evening out to not be super elite this year. Uh, they would be a pretty high seed with if Jokic had played all those games. And I feel like they're turning a corner with Aaron Gordon playing great with Monte Morris really hitting his stride. I, I feel like a lot of this stuff has turned a corner and is 
something that I can look forward to watching again, which is nice after going a couple of weeks with dreading having to watch Nuggets games. Yeah, it, it was bad for a while there. And and you, you could see how morose the fan base was getting. And I, I was I'm I'm Captain Doom and Gloom over here. I was, I've made that my my Twitter header, uh, my my background for my profile picture, because it is true. I, I'm definitely one of the more negative and realistic or pessimistic folks that you're going to ever see. Uh, but it's more born out of just like wanting to see the best for the team and, and knowing the capabilities of this group that when they're at full strength, they can compete with absolutely everybody. And mm-hmm. we didn't get to see that last year. We haven't got to, gotten to see that at the beginning of this season so far, uh, but there is hope. There is definitely hope that this group at some point they'll get as healthy as they possibly can. And mm-hmm. there are better times ahead, especially record wise for this Nuggets group. And I'm, Definitely excited to see it. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Like, so they they kind of have to get through December here. Mm-hmm. There are some really tough games in December, but after that, they have the easiest schedule in the league, at least according to my colleague Matt Moore at HP Basketball. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that there is something to just surviving and then figuring things out after that. Yeah. Uh, if Denver is five hundred or above after december do you think that they can go on a run 500 after december i think they go on a great run they start they start january let's go just just go through the first few games of january the rockets uh the the rockets are not good they're not a good team i feel like that could be a win the mavs is a game that could that historically denver has done well against the mavs the jazz is another team where historically speaking Nikola Jokic has made Rudy Gobert look silly, and I feel like that could be a win. Then we have the Kings, which I'm getting PTSD flashbacks by even mentioning them. Uh, <laughs> you got okay. Rashawn, Rashawn Holmes is about to go for 30 points on 15 floaters. That sounds dude, sounds about yeah, right. Sounds about right. Rashawn Holmes. Uh, quick aside, Rashawn Holmes is such a good player to watch. He's really fun. Uh, if you don't watch Kings games, I don't blame you. But if you do, enjoy Rashawn Holmes. Uh, but like that, the and then the Thunder that rounds out like the first five games of January. I feel like realistically speaking, the Nuggets could go five and zero in that stretch. More realistically, probably four and one. But like, I, I am still, I still have my youthful exuberance around me regarding this team, as opposed to the jaded Ryan Blackburn that you guys see before you. And man, is this the first time I'm getting called old? This is. Man, once you hit 25, it's just all downhill from here. Good <laughs> Lord. That's, uh, that is frustrating. That's really sad. And I, I may be having less Asher Levy on my podcast from now on. That's, uh, that's crazy, man. If I go missing, it definitely wasn't Ryan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I still have some optimism about this team. And I, I think that I, after December, which is, kind of hell that they can get out of December and go into January and really right the ship and hopefully enter a February a top I think a top five seed is pretty realistic speaking it does seem pretty realistic and the way that the rest of the west has gone there are some teams that are above 500 you've got the Lakers you've got the Mavs you've got uh the Memphis Grizzlies, you've got Denver and you've got the Clippers. I think all of those teams are, uh, unless I've said one team multiple times, uh, all of those teams are above 500 at this point. 
And I still feel the most confident in Denver. I still feel like with Jokic, anything is possible and that they'll eventually get Murray back and that'll have a cascading effect on everything. And until then, like uh, they've, they've gone 500 in one of the toughest records in the, or one of the toughest schedules in the NBA so far. So Mm -hmm. there are brighter times ahead for sure. It's just about surviving until you get there. And to your, to your point, Denver has four more games in December alone against the Nets, the Suns, and two against the Warriors. So it is just a murderer's row at this point of some of these tougher teams, like the the top of the conference, the creme de la creme. So I hope that Denver can maybe, if they split those games, that would be fantastic. Even if they go one and three, it's okay. You just can't go 0 and 4 in those situations and, and really expect to get a high record. Yeah, you know, you know, you say that like they have the creme de la creme. That's where they do the best, Ryan. Like they lose to the Magic and then win against like the Bucks the next night. That's just kind of this Nuggets team. I right. feel more confident against the Warriors than I do against the Kings. Like, and not to say I think the Warriors they're going to be the Warriors because I I don't. But I would feel more confident going into that game than I would against uh, the worst team in the league, just because. That is what the Nuggets are. It's an awful, uh, it's an awful existence most of the time, losing to the Kings. But then you get the high highs of the seven, uh, and all those kind of situations. No, for sure. I think that the Minnesota game that they played earlier this year, where they they go in there on a back to back after the Dallas blowout that they had, and they they just grind out a win against mm-hmm. a. At the at that time, Minnesota was playing very well. Mm-hmm. What the hell? My cat just jumped on top of the the bed frame that stood up against my wall. Oh man, this cat is just an absolute feline devil. Uh, no, it's just crazy that that Denver has these moments in them, and the the moments have been fewer and further between because of the injuries. They just have less of a cushion in those situations than they would before, but yeah, uh, there are some opportunities at the end of December here, and we will see if they can really manifest that going forward. Uh, I would love to see them take down the nets. I'd love to see them take down one of those games against the warriors. Uh, but even if it's the Suns, even if it's just sticking it to Deandre Ayton a little bit again, that would mm-hmm. be fantastic. That would be awesome. Yeah. One thing I will say about the uh, Nets game, Harden went into health and safety protocols today. So yeah, didn't they have like eight guys that were playing? Yeah, I, I think it was Kevin Durant and like seven other guys. Cause I know Bruce Brown and Harden went into quarantine today and they've been dealing with other health and safety and injury related issues, but they have like a total of eight players healthy and we play them right. on Sunday. So like it could potentially be Brooklyn actually has the disadvantage against the nuggets for that game. Interesting. I I mean, hey, how dare you disrespect Kessler Edwards, by the way? That is just just so irritating to me. I, I'm just kidding. You, uh, you, no, mean, we'll you've say, been writing Devon Reed, so like Kessler Edwards, <laughs> who knows? We will see. Uh, shout out Pepperdine, 44th overall pick in the draft. Yep. Uh, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to get into this mailbag. But first, uh, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, Football has been in full swing. I am currently in my fantasy football playoffs. And for everybody that is a fantasy fan or somebody that just likes to bet on the games, 
Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is one of those outlets that is just fantastic at getting you engaged with the game in a different way. Uh, And they're doing an excellent promo this week. And for a number of these weeks for new users that you will be a winner once a single point is scored in one of the upcoming games that you decide to bet on. If you are a new user, you can bet just $1 on any of these teams to score and you will win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. DraftKings, they also offer same game parlay so you can get more skin in the game that way. Combine multiple bets from that same game and you can get a bigger payout. More legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings, they are safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds whenever you want. So if you're interested, make sure to download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS. Bet $1 on any team to score and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code MHS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. back pickaxe and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much for tuning in uh joined today by asher levy make sure to go follow him on twitter at ash manzini all right asher let us talk about this mailbag that that we were supposed to do on sunday night that i diverted to tonight uh, i think that it, it's worth it getting fans who ask these questions getting some answers for them i didn't want to leave them high and dry because my stomach just didn't agree uh i mean yeah you I, ate I think burger that, king <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's <laughs> definitely not what I ate, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> have have much more sense than that at 25 now. Uh, you'll learn. You'll learn. It's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I want to ask, and and I want to get into some of these questions because I think that uh, fans have have some drastic opinions on the season in general. Being 14 and 13, being uh, at that time uh, 13 and 13, you could absolutely see. Uh, some frustrations boiling over on Nuggets fans where uh, they want different rotations. They want different minute distributions. They want me to tell them that Jamal Murray is going to be okay. And uh, I I will tell you Jamal Murray is going to be okay. I think he's going to be back in February. Uh, But we are going to now talk about some of these questions that Nuggets fans have submitted. Are you ready? I mean, I'm here for a reason. Yes, I am. Oh, I am good. Ready. You're so exciting what, all the what, time. What if I, what if I said no? <laughs> what if I had just hit you with a no, set my mic down on the desk and left? That'll do it on this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, let us get into these questions. At Tory Time asks, did Bull spit in the face of Michael Malone? I think that's an interesting question. Do you, do you think that Bobo would have done that? Do you think that that's something that, that he would have had the gall to do after the situation? <laughs> I, I don't think uh, Bobo spit in the face of Mike Malone. No, that, and you can take that as an official report. Sources say Bobo did not spit <laughs> in the face of Michael Malone. Yeah, it's, it's, it's far deeper than that. It's, it's, not, it's not anything like that. It's not anything crazy. It's just the fact that Bobo has not really 
invested himself in the nuggets. He's invested himself in his scoring package. He's invested himself in Instagram and whatever, but it is, it is not the nuggets that he has really uh, worked himself for. And because there have been certain things that the nuggets have asked him to do to shore up his defense, to shore up his rebounding, to uh, stop the traveling when he makes dribble moves to take the shots that they want him to take. And it's, it's clearly not manifesting because this has been something that's been going on for a long time, man, that it's not just uh, a one year thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, I think it doesn't have anything to do with anything crazy. I think it has to do with the fact that Bull Bull is just not that great of a basketball player and is not a rotation caliber player, especially for what the nuggets want to do. If he got traded to like Houston, then sure. But uh, on a playoff team who wants to be a contender when fully healthy, Bull Bull does not bring anything to the table except empty offense where it's only self-created. He doesn't create for others. Others have to just kind of sit in the corner while he tries to do a Euro step or something like that. And on the defensive end, he, he is just a complete negative. So I think it has to do with that more than anything else. Yeah, it's too bad. Um, at Big Honey One asks, what is Bull Bull's realistic trade value? I know there's a minimal cap space, but is there any wiggle room for even a small roster adjustment? Also, can the Nuggets win a title without MPJ? Um, first question first. Um, what is Bull Bull's realistic trade value, Asher? Nothing. Yeah. Zip, zero, zilch. Yeah. I don't. It's my trade value. I have the same trade value as Bull Bull. And I probably might have more because I'm not getting paid by an NBA team. Yeah, you're not getting paid over $2 million to uh, just, just be on the roster. And it's it's too bad that they're they're in this situation. Yeah. Uh, I have to imagine that a rebuilding team could talk themselves into uh, the skill set, the talent, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. of Bull Bull to be able to hit outside shots, go off the dribble, and block shots at the rim. Uh, however, it's going to have to be part of a larger deal. He would have to be a throw in piece that there would have to be some other things, probably a second round pick, maybe yeah. another player that that kind of fits their rotation a little bit better. I think a team like the Houston Rockets might make some sense in some cases, but uh, for the most part, I just don't really see it. Yeah, like maybe maybe on his own, you could maybe get a second a protected second round pick like that is how low his trade value has dropped. Like people are like, why don't they try trading, try trading Bulbul? Guys, they've tried. They've tried for the past, what, two years? Like it's just pretty close. He, there's nothing that teams want with him. Like if there was a larger trade where Denver got involved as say a third team in like a Ben Simmons kind of trade where they randomly just shipped Bulbul for Bulbul and someone for a first round pick or a, another role player sure like bobo could be traded then but not on his own there was a reason he fell to 44th in the drafts uh there was a reason that 30 teams passed on him or however many that were there um i just don't think that this is going to be long for the nuggets like he'll be off the team after this season and both parties will move on the only question is whether he will be traded somewhere by the trade deadline released or have his contract run out that's that's kind of where we're at with this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
at Broncos for Life. Uh, shout out the Broncos who won without Demarius Thomas this week. Or uh, not, sorry. Uh, shout out who were celebrated Demarius Thomas's life this week. Uh, tragic. Yeah, also, uh, loss. rest in peace. Rest yeah, in peace. rest in peace, Demarius. Denver was, legend. Yeah, a, a misspeak on my part reading the, the name of the Twitter handle yeah. next to it. Um, do you think Marcus, as Marcus Howard, did enough to get uh, consistent rotational minutes, or is he going to be more of a spark plug if the offense gets dry? Asher, what was your opinion? And keep in mind that these questions were submitted on Sunday night, so people didn't see Monday's game. What was your impression of Marcus Howard over these past few games, and what do you think the Nuggets should do with that information? I am not a Marcus Howard kind of guy. My the kind of players I like to see are players who can contribute in a lot of different areas. And for Marcus Howard to even be a, a remote positive on the court, he has to be making shots and taking shots as well, which in the context of the Nuggets bench, I guess, isn't a terrible uh, proposition until you consider the fact that you also have Faku and Bones coming off the bench, who are both uh, smaller guards. Bones, not small per se but he isn't super strong and he definitely has like a more wiry build to him so him playing the three and guarding people like say harrison barnes nemanja bielitsa like bigger wings doesn't sit well with me and if you also take into the fact that before sunday's game like before these past two games he was shooting 20 24 percent from three and 28% from the field is not necessarily ideal. I don't think he's done anything that Bones can't do, and I don't think he separates himself enough from the pack to be anything more than like, oh, Marcus Howard shot well this game. Cool. He gave you nine off the bench in a game where you literally – he was your last resort because in those games, Austin Rivers was out, Will Barton was out, et cetera, et cetera, we get that the nuggets are injured at this point, but like he does not bring anything of value. He's not a playmaker. He's not a defender by any stretch of the imagination. He doesn't rebound. He doesn't do anything besides shoot. And before that game, he wasn't shooting well either. So like, I don't see what he brings to the nuggets. That is. uh, Yeah. Official. Yeah. It's, it's, it's too bad that in the situation that he, he kind of lost his summer league opportunity to earn a contract with somebody else uh, due to COVID. And I don't think that it was in Denver's plans initially to bring him back. I thought that they were going to give him an opportunity to showcase his talents at summer league, hope that another team would give him the opportunity that he knew he wouldn't get in Denver. And it never ultimately manifested, never got to showcase himself. And he ultimately ended up back with the nuggets uh, I trust Austin Rivers more than I trust Marcus Howard. It's not a personal thing. It's not a uh, factor that Marcus just like he he just doesn't have the size and the physicality to be able to yeah. be competitive unless the three pointer is going in. And Denver has enough guys where if the three pointer is going in, then they're better all around players. And it, it's just too bad. I do think that if you're looking at a at a playoff rotation something like that. Uh, Marcus Howard was quickly excised from the rotation when Denver had the opportunity, when they needed more defense, because that's just never something that he's going to be able to provide. 
Uh, even Steph Curry, when he was criticized for his defense when he came in, he was still 6'3". He was still somebody who had the size to be able to match up with some bigger players. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Howard is 5'10", 5'11". And it's just, it's just not going to happen from a defensive standpoint. So Denver, given that they already have Faku, they already have Monte, they already have Bones, already have enough small guards in order to kind of fill out that rotation. I just don't think that Marcus is going to be a guy that uh, sticks. Yeah, especially because, like, also, I wish the best for Marcus, like, as a player. I'm not saying, like, all this stuff as, like, a personal thing. I hope he finds a place in a rotation somewhere else. Just doesn't uh, seem like it's, it'll be the Nuggets. Right. All right, skipping ahead here. Uh at Chase Madness asks, what are the realistic time frames for the return of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr.? Uh, this is probably something that I can answer a little bit better than you. Yep. Uh, I've heard some stuff that Jamal Murray might be back before the All-Star break or after the All-Star break, kind of in that mid-February, late-February range. Uh, that's fantastic. That would be great if that were the case. He seems to be on track. He's been playing a lot of one-on-one looks much more comfortable from a physical standpoint in order to uh, make some of the moves that he needs to be explosive. Uh, We're going to see what happens with the rest of the rehab. He is currently, if like once we get to December 21st, he will be eight months out from surgery. That's like on the, the precipice of, all right, now you can start doing three on three. Now you can start doing five on five can start doing going through some live drills. And then at that point, it's when he feels comfortable. He'll probably have a stint in Grand Rapids at some point where he will go and play a couple games or maybe go practice with that team. And once he gets comfortable, once he feels like he's in a good spot, then he will come back to the Nuggets, take another week or two, and then get fully integrated and back into the swing of things. I think that the earliest you can realistically talk about that is February 1st. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen until February 15th, which the all-star break is right around that time. So my projection would be February 27th is what I will say. Mm -hmm. Um, Sounds about right. It seems like, it seems like a great place for Denver that they just have to survive until then. Uh, The schedule lightens up considerably in January and February. So Hopefully that continues. Uh, as for Michael Porter Jr., it's it's impossible to predict that. I don't have any inside information on that one. And I do think that Denver needs to fully consider the prospect of just shutting him down. Uh, they don't want to do that because they want to just react however his back responds and hope that if they have Jamal Murray and they have Michael Porter – then you already have the best player in the league. You have a chance at that point. And they, they want as many cracks at the apple uh, bites at the apple as they possibly can. Uh, We're just going to have to see though. I am very curious to see what they do with him. And hopefully this isn't a long-term thing for Michael Porter. This is more of a, Hey, you've, you've taken four months, five months, and now we can start talking about a return. Yeah. Um, I go. Ahead. I have one little thing to say. I can't wait until Jamal Murray plays in Grand Rapids and 
as far as I can find, the G League record is 65 points. Uh, if he were to break that, all time, <laughs> all time Jamal Murray moment. <laughs> of course, how could it not be an all time Jamal Murray moment? That would be fantastic. Yeah, um, <laughs> I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't even fathom what that would look like. Like <laughs> 65 points. That's that's incredible. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's now. Hmm. Let's go to uh, at Weston Titus, uh, Weston Titus, maybe. Um, what do you think Monte's role looks like once Murray is back and hopefully all the other guards are healthy? So obviously we're not factoring in PJ Dozier into that equation. He has a torn ACL. He's going to yeah. be out for 10 to 12 months after that. Um, if that's the case, then Denver would have the guards in their disposal uh, at their disposal, Jamal Murray, Will Barton, uh, Faku Campazzo, Monte Morris, Bones Highland, Austin Rivers, and Marcus Howard. Uh, what would you project Denver's rotation with the guards to look like in that case? Ideally, in my opinion, the ideal rotation would be Jamal Will starting. I think Will Barton has, even though he's struggled these past couple of weeks, I think he does a lot as that like fourth or fifth starter, depending on how you look at Aaron Gordon and him. And I think that Will has done enough to like start and the contract that they gave him also says that he'll start. So I think the starters will be Jamal and Will. And then I think off the bench, Monte and Bones is probably the best bet there because Faku and Monte is too small to be anything defensively, even though Faku tries his heart out on defense and is you know, super high effort player. He is like five, eight, five, nine at the end of the day. And then bones, I think he's been a little up and down this season, but that's as to be expected with, of any rookie. And I think the highs that he's had have shown that he can do a lot on a, on a game to game basis. Like I think his high games are going to be better than Faku's high games or Marcus Howard's high games. So I think that he will be the guy, the backup shooting guard in the playoffs, unless they go nine man. And if they go nine man, then I think it'll be Monte as like the sole backup guard if they cut it down to one backup guard. But Monte's role will be similar to that of what he played last season before Jamal Murray went down. Interesting. Um, I think that there's an argument that they start all three of Monte, Jamal and Will. Uh, that they go. Uh, do you do you remember at the kind of the midpoint last year where they they didn't have a real power forward, so they moved Michael uh, Michael Porter to the four, and then they started Monte Jamal and Will, all three of yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Now that you say that, that does come to mind, and I didn't even factor in that that would be a thing. I just personally like the size of the starting unit with Jeff Green, and also Jeff Green has been fantastic when, ever since right. he's been starting. So. I, yeah. I don't disagree with you. And I think that there's definitely an argument to keep him in the starting unit and then maybe use that other unit as a closing unit, uh, yeah. maybe going kind of 20 to 25 minutes for Jeff green and three stints and then rotating those other guys. And then Monte comes off the bench, but he closes and, and plays the last 17 to 18 minutes of the game pretty consistently. Yeah. Uh, I think that there's, there's definitely logic there. 
he's a good enough player and has earned like he he is a top five Nuggets player. Mm-hmm. Clearly, like this this season, he's been top four. Uh, yeah, been, Monte has been excellent. And you want you want your best players on the courts at all times. And yep, I do think that there are going to be situations where Denver's going to want to play Monte, Jamal, Will, Aaron Gordon, and Jokic. Now, it might not be against the Lakers. It might not be against teams where they have plenty of wing size and they need more, uh, maybe another forward defender or something like that, where Jeff Green comes in and plays against the Lakers or, or a team of that nature. Uh, yeah. Good Lord, this cat is going to kill me. Um, yeah, no, I, we're, we're just going to have to see. But I think that that is an interesting conversation that we are going to continue to have. Uh, just when when Jamal comes back, but the good thing is it gives you options. And how much how much have we really talked about Denver having options this year? That just doesn't happen. So none. It's uh, it's nice to think about different lineup configurations again because I think yeah. that's where I'm in my wheelhouse consistently. I do the rotation, uh, the the rotation graphic on a consistent basis, and mm-hmm. I think that that's a it's just a fascinating thing that coaches have to go through and understand and. They have to know inside and out. So we're just going to have to see. Um, Tell you what, let's take a quick break. When we come back, the next question that we are going to answer, what role players should be trade targets for Denver? We'll be right back. back here pickaxe and roll final segment thank you so much for tuning in joined by asher levy we're doing a mailbag we're doing a mailbag that we thought we we're going to do on monday got postponed to today but i think that some of these questions are still very good and we're gonna have plenty of fun answering a lot of these uh all right asher i teased it at the end of last segment what role players this comes from at jblv what role players should be trade targets for Denver. Uh, this is a wide ranging question. This is where you could, you could look at the entire league. He's narrowed it down to role players. Thank you, JB. Uh, but we are going to, I assume that this is going to involve a bench player. I'm assuming that this is going to involve something that doesn't really touch Denver starting unit. What do you think Denver's needs are at this point? I think that they need wings. Uh, ever since PJ Dozier has gone out, they have, no wings to speak of really like will is a wing and then outside of him aaron gordon is more of a forward and then like who's who's next the most wing kind of guy is ignaji maybe yeah i guess like vlaco maybe yeah so like i think they need to get get a wing and recently there's been reports that cam reddish has been available for a first round pick whether or not the nuggets can do that or feel comfortable trading a far future first round pick is up to question but i think if they can get like a cam reddish type that'd be that'd be something i'd be very excited about because cam reddish brings you a lot on the defensive side of the ball like he is a very very good defender very good uh in theory at least like pretty good offensive player uh, he has one of the smoothest games in the league, but he struggles to finish a lot of his shots at points. 
but this season he's been shooting 37% on three on, I believe around four attempts a game and 40% from the field. So like he hasn't struggled too heavily to make his shots. And I think in a more condensed kind of role on the nuggets that he would be playing next to the best playmaker of all time, he would be like, you know, optimized if you will. Of course. Yeah, no, I think it's a, I think it's an interesting conversation and, and there is a lot to think about from the Hawks perspective that they have so many of these guys that they like. Uh, they've already paid Trey Young and John Collins. Those guys are going to be on big contracts for a while here. Yeah. Uh, Gallinari is on a contract until or through next year, although it's not fully guaranteed next year. So they're probably going to decline that to get themselves some money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bogdan Bogdanovich, Clint Capella, those guys each make 18 million next year. DeAndre Hunter is going to be on the last year of a rookie deal. He's going to get paid a bunch of money, I assume. Uh, Onyeka Kongwu is a first-round pick in six overall that they drafted that they're going to want to see too, and he kind of plays a different position from those wings that they all have. Like yeah. They've got Kevin Herter, who they extended, and they gave him a, on average about $15, 16000000 a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave they're, – they're probably going to think about Cam Reddish and whether he can be somebody that they pay. So they've just got a lot of guys, a lot of money that they're going to have to throw around and they're kind of under, underperforming this year. They haven't been great. So I wonder if they look to try to make a, a different decision than what most teams in their situation would do, which is just to try to hold on to all their assets and then pay their guys. Uh, they might try to be forward thinking, or they might try to be uh, like get some get some help now. So I'm not sure yeah. what they would like, but Cam Reddish is a good player. He's somebody that that would fit in Denver really well. Another guy, not in the young mold, but kind of an older Cam Reddish, is Justin Holiday. Uh, somebody who yep. on the Indiana Pacers I've had my eye on for a while. He is a six foot six wing, shoots the ball well, just does everything well that you want a three and D wing to do. Uh, he's a perfect fit for Denver. Somebody that would pay about uh, that would play about twenty to twenty five minutes off the bench uh, if Bones isn't ready in a playoff rotation. That's okay. You can play Justin Holiday a bunch of minutes. Uh, so we're going to have to see. But I think that that's, that's another guy that you consider. Uh, but yep. the wing position, I do think, is probably their most important. Uh, the big, we're, we're just going to have to see. Jokic is going to play a bunch of minutes. Jermichael Green, maybe he recovers. Maybe they stagger Jeff Green a little bit more. Uh, Aaron Gordon a little bit more. Maybe Zeke Naji plays pretty well. But mm-hmm. I do think that rather than using a bunch of resources on a backup big, they should be focusing on the wing. Yeah. Another one I'd like to mention is Terrence Ross. He's become available in trade discussions, according to reports from, you know, folks around the league. And he's someone who is a spark plug that also can play defense. He's not a particularly great defender, but he's fine. And he, in theory, at least can provide a lot of shooting off the bench. He's a really good athlete, someone who is kind of similar to a Will Barton, if you will. Uh, yeah, he's like the bench version of Will Barton. Like yeah. somebody who he's going to he's going to have an intolerable shot selection for like his like people that hate Will Barton's shot selection will absolutely abhor yeah. uh Terrence Ross's shot selection. So get get, get ready out. folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um 
but he he's someone who also the magic and nuggets have obviously made deals before and uh front offices who have traded with, with each other tend to make more trades because they're more familiar with each other so that's another it is a good thing. point he does probably make too much money for me to be really seriously interested but uh I, it is a at least a name to think about for sure yeah um, who else? Who else? I've, I've done podcasts on this contract on this uh concept before. Yeah. Jeremy Lamb, um, Jeremy Lamb, Tory Craig, also on the Indiana Pacers, who yeah, makes some sense for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, Orlando, they're they're just in a great situation where they only have five wins. Denver just happens to be one of them. Uh, they uh, they are uh, a really, really bad team. Yeah. Uh, also, like, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Houston Rockets guys. Daniel House, Daniel Tice, uh, both a wing and a big that I think probably makes some sense. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking at Detroit, then Kelly Olynyk as a big makes some sense. Might be a little bit more trustworthy in a playoff situation this year than Zeke Naji. So uh, if you're if you're not looking super hot with Jamichael Green, might not be a bad idea to pick and pops with Kelly Olynyk instead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. There's nothing like too too enticing on the trade market right now, but obviously that'll start changing once December fifteenth rolls around, which me and Ryan are currently two ish hours away from. So, yep. or actually, nope, it's league clock time. So December fifteenth has opened. the uh, The trade season has officially started, if you will, and unofficial I, start to the trade season for sure. Yep, and I think that a lot more people are going to start becoming available around this time so we shall see yeah we're just gonna have to see on this one uh, okay let's move on uh at grant the guy asks realistically what should the goal be for the nuggets until murray gets back uh try to be a six to eight seed by february uh is there is there somewhere higher that denver could be uh, Asher, I'll, I'll leave this one to you. We kind of touched on this already, but what do you what do you think Denver's target goal should be? I think that with the schedule in January and early February, because I anticipate Murray coming back sometime around mid to late February. And February is already a short month, so it's not too big a deal if it's late February. And I think that they should try and ideally be a couple games over 500 probably say with the way their schedule treats them after December, I'd probably say five games over 500 would be a great place to be at. And then sure. with Murray coming back, I think they would be primed for a push after initial like stuttering. Cause adding someone with as big of an impact as Jamal Murray brings to a, any team will like stutter them a little bit. So I think they stutter out of the gate a little bit on that. And then I think I, at the end of the season, there'll be a, a round of four or a five seed. 28 and 23, 30 and 25, somewhere around there by the time that Murray comes back. Uh, if you're in that vicinity, if you've, if you've cleared 30 wins by the time 55 games rolls around, then you're at least on pace for a 45 and 37 season. Murray yeah. will boost that. He'll probably help them get up over 48 to 49 wins or so. That is the hope if you're if you're in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're just gonna have to see. I uh, I do think that Denver will kind of kick it into high gear. I actually think that they could probably they could probably be about 30 and 23. 
by the yeah. time he returns. I do think that there's there's something to that. And if if you see that record by the time Murray's back, then I think a top four seed and a Jokic MVP award may may very well be possible. Also, be ecstatic if you're a fan if you see that. Because I see a lot of guys uh, talking about tanking with the Nuggets. Uh, no, there's no one in this draft that even as far as the Nuggets are now would be able to tank for that would make that much of an impact initially. Like there are guys later in this draft that I like as much as the guys at the top uh, where nuggets would be, even if they tanked. So uh, you want to try and win. And I think that that would be a great goal. Hasn't Denver shown that they can find value in the draft anywhere that they don't have to tank in order to find a really Mm -hmm. quality player. Like, come on now, people, what are we, what are we talking about here? They just just drafted bones Island to 26. There's a there's a guy in the 20s called Benedict Matherin who I really like for the Nuggets if he were to fall into that range. And if they draft Benedict Matherin, uh, then then I will personally uh, pay you a hundred dollars. <laughs> that is I, a fantastic name. That is yeah. incredible. <laughs> he is also someone who would fit really well with the Nuggets. He's a good defender. Nothing too like elite from the film I've seen, which is not a ton at this moment. But I've watched a couple of games of his. And uh, on offense, not a ton of on-ball creation, but I think he's like up there as the best off-ball scorer in this draft. Like his shooting is legit. I believe he's shooting 44% on his season so far. He had, he's a great off-ball cutter, just someone who would fit right into what the Nuggets would do. Uh, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll get my hopes up like I did for Devin Vassell and players like him. And then and like Jaden Springer and then be just absolutely done with it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Speaking of bones, by the way, uh, Jay Blackstone mm-hmm. asks, uh, RJ Hampton and bones Highland were taken at similar points in the draft. If both hit their absolute ceiling, which player would you rather have on any team and which of the two players would be better fit for the nuggets long-term goals? Um. Well, you see, you can't really just say any team and pick a player unless you're talking like LeBron James and Markeith Morris or Nikola Jokic and Kelly Olynyk. Like, unless you're talking about stars versus role players, you can't really say like concretely, but I would say overall bones brings more like foundational stuff to a team. Like his shot creation, his playmaking is stuff that, teams like build around whereas rj hampton is a glue guy kind of person kind of player so like he fills in more with rebounding with high motor with all that kind of stuff and i would say overall probably bones for that question for the nuggets specifically i would also say bones just because the bench is severely severely lacking in shot creation right now and bones is bringing a little bit to that he's not been like phenomenal but he's been good and he's been great for a rookie. Like he has exceeded my expectations. And I was someone who was high on bones coming into the season. Like so far this season, he's like been more, more or less like pretty good for the nuggets. Like there have been lows. And if you look at like his season averages, it's not fantastic, but a lot of that is because he was trying to get into a rhythm in garbage time, which is super hard to do. But like when he's playing consistent rotational minutes, he's putting up 19 against the Hawks. He's putting up, you know, 18, he's putting up, you know, high teens. And that's been phenomenal when it happens. So I think this is an interesting, this is an interesting kind of bridge for me to really talk about the, the dream team that I have for the nuggets, the ideal uh, version of them that I think makes the most sense. 
your nuggets manifesto yeah exactly like we're just gonna give me the keys and i'm gonna completely dream up this roster sure Uh, you have three guards you have two wings you have three forwards and you have two bigs uh your three guards are jamal murray monte morris bones highland uh pick an order like jamal is going to be at the top but can talk me into bones at his ceiling playing the two or both of them coming off the bench or even monte playing the one and jamal playing the two i don't care but it gives you flexibility uh two wings one of those guys is an absolute three and d killer uh somebody who's about six foot six six seven and can switch can do a whole bunch of different things the other is more of a playmaking and defense kind of guy uh, Mm -hmm. but fits really well that's where i would put pj dozier somebody like that Mm -hmm. Uh, three forwards you have uh michael porter you have aaron gordon and then you have zeke Naji. and if you had to change somebody out then it would probably be zeke and you you figure out something else that that maybe fits a little bit better but at his ceiling i think that zeke is going to be a big contributor for this team Uh, and then two big so you've got Jokic and you've got somebody else who we aren't really talking about yet uh, but that's 10. That's a 10-man rotation that you talk about. And I think that Bones fits into that a little bit better than RJ does. He's not yeah. quite that wing size that you're looking for. Uh, he's not quite the guard skill set that you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be tough to kind of pigeonhole him in because if you're Denver, you've got your you've got your starting group, or at least your your core four going forward with Murray, Porter, Gordon, and Jokic. Does RJ fit into that technically? Yeah, maybe, maybe at his ceiling he does, but I think Bones definitely fits into that. He also can carry the bench and he can do a lot of different things. So yeah, I think that that's how I would approach it, uh, but I am open to being wrong. Yeah. Uh, All right, there we go. Uh, Edmund Apathy asks, that's a great name for for Ryan as well. Uh, Is there a scenario in which the Kronkies would refuse to give Jokic the Supermax in order to avoid paying the repeater or luxury tax? Uh, Asher, Uh, you want to, you want to say with me on three, one, two, three. Hell no, no, no. that's, there's no, definitely a no. Like, like you play the best player in the league. Uh, you pay him as much money as he's willing to take. And then you trade everybody else if you need to. Yeah. Uh, um, that's like, what are you talking about, dude? Yeah. The Cronkies literal, the entire value of the nuggets comes from the fact that they have Jokic on their roster. If you take Jokic off the roster, their franchise depletes in value by probably 50%. And the attendance also dwindles and they lose a lot of money. So like, even if they pay him the super max, which they are going to and should, and Jokic deserves all of that money. Uh, no, what, why are we asking these kind of questions? This is nonsense. <laughs> so Steph Curry just broke the three point shooting record tonight. Uh-huh. And I think he is a good approximation for his franchise for a Jokic is for the nuggets. Yeah. Uh, the warriors were in hell for a lot of their tenure they were trying to talk themselves into monte ellis david lee people like that wasn't going to work baron davis was a one-hit wonder for them and they ultimately they they needed to transition into something else and steph revitalized that franchise they took him a little bit with the injuries just like it took Jokic a little bit of time where he needed to get himself into shape get himself into the best possible version of himself yeah. But now those guys are in their primes and Steph's prime has been for a long time here. And they've won three titles. They brought KD. They, they have clay and Draymond. Steph is a top 75 uh, player all time guaranteed. And I, I absolutely put him 
closer to the top 10 than I would 75. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is somebody that has completely revitalized San Francisco and the Bay uh, in in a lot of cases and and how they really took their franchise and their fan base from uh, just what they were to a, an absolute gargantuan valuation on Forbes and, and what the, what the warriors are actually worth globally. Now it is insane to think about. Yeah. Uh, Jokic probably isn't to that degree of what he could be for the warriors because he's not quite as marketable in general, but could he be the same thing on the court? Absolutely. Absolutely. He has been. Yeah, he has been. You're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. Can I let two takes fly real quick? Sure. Okay. One is by the end of his career, Jokic is going to be seen as the best offensive center of all time. Best offensive big, like point blank period. And the seasons he's putting up now and last season uh, are the best offensive uh, seasons we've ever seen from a center period. And two is Steph Curry is the best point guard of all time. Peak for peak. I I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Peak Steph is just like, he's on a different level than magic in my opinion. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I do uh, agree with that. <laughs> his, his impact, his impact goes so far that like peak Steph might be a top three player of all time. Maybe I, I don't have a list or anything, but like, Steph Curry is that guy. Jokic is also that guy. And in the Kroenke's case or any owner's case, you pay that guy. So this is a stupid question. Let's move on. <laughs> I think that the like the fact that all of these other teams, all their their home announcers, when when Denver goes on the road and plays the Spurs or plays the the Celtics, the fact that they're already comparing him to Tim Duncan and Larry Bird, it shows yeah. that he's on track to pass them, not just that he's on track to be them. Like it really yeah. does show that as long as the the wins come and the championships come, and that is not guaranteed, but if he stays on the track that he's currently at, then he's on track to pass those guys, not necessarily just kind of be in the same pantheon in the conversation as them. So no, Denver is not going to avoid giving Jokic the super max. Edmund, go to sleep. Yeah, just um hit, hit the hay, guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh Okay, let's do two more here. Uh, that one nugget guy, he asks, are you impressed with what Davon Reed has done so far with the team? And do you think he signs with the team for the rest of the season? Well, this is one of those questions where posted on December 12th, uh, we, we heard from Michael Malone on December 13th yesterday that uh, it was Davon Reed's last day of his 10-day contract with the Nuggets. He'll go back to Grand Rapids. He's probably already there. Um, yeah. I think he's going to be back, man. Like that's my take is that he will eventually be back with this team. And whether that is on a two-way contract where they've, they've kind of freed up a spot for him, whether that is on a full-time contract, actually, I don't know if he's eligible for a two-way. I'm pretty sure he has too many years of eligibility, but uh, if it is as a full-time roster spot, then I, I do think that they will clear some space for him at some point. Yeah, I would. So to answer, if I'm impressed, I, as far as a role player goes, he's done what I want him to do. He hit his threes. He played good defense. That's kind of all you need to be a rotation player in the NBA. And I think he is a rotation player in the NBA. Uh, Can I go one step further than that, by the way? Sure. Uh, The rebounding was really impressive. It's it's not just the defense. It's not just the, it's not just the off the dribble shooting that you like, he had a couple mid range pull-ups in a game. He had a couple threes in a game. 
Uh, it's not just those things, like from a three and D perspective, it's that he was able to find other ways to contribute when he wasn't scoring. And, and that is the mark of a good role players that you find ways to be impactful, even if it's not in the role that you were ultimately defined for. That is yeah. a really good sign. Yeah. And also uh, I'd be completely shocked if he, didn't end up on another NBA roster before the Nuggets even got the opportunity to sign them back. Like they should be sending Bull Bull away right now and bringing Devon Reed back in. Like, hey, buddy, we free up roster spot. Get get back here. Like by the time the Nuggets need him again, like he might be gone. I would not be shocked. So because he's on an Exhibit Ten contract with Denver, uh, that that's something that they signed him to in the offseason along with uh, uh, Georgie Bazanishvili. Yeah. Uh, Matt Thomas, I'm pretty sure, not Matt Thomas, uh, Matt Ryan, I'm pretty sure, because they signed those guys, I don't think that they can go to other teams. I don't think other teams can just pick them up from ah. the G League. Uh, they do have, like, they're getting extra money from Denver, but they're also in Denver system with the opportunity to go up to Denver on a 10-day. Gotcha. Uh, however, I do think that that needs to change by the end of the year. I think that they should lock him in to – like because he's he's a a perfect eleventh to fifteenth man, like they somebody sign him who to a PJ Dozier contract. <laughs> a, absolutely, absolutely. You want him to like like honestly, they they should apply for a disabled player exception with PJ mm-hmm. Dozier and sign yeah. Devon Reed, Davon Reed to that deal. Yeah, uh, that like maybe he's holding out for more money, and that's one of the reasons why they're not doing that. Maybe it's because of the luxury tax concerns that they're not doing that yet. Uh, but at some point this year. I do think that they should be considering that, especially if maybe Austin Rivers comes, comes back and he struggles or uh, maybe Faku struggles or maybe Bone struggles or one of those guys that Denver's yeah. really hoping for off the bench. Uh, they're going to need some size from somebody at some point. Yeah. Can I go a step further? Sure. They should sign him by the end of the month. Like don't let the month pass and Devon Reed is not on this roster full time. Okay. I, uh, I don't disagree with you. I think that they can survive. I also don't think that these wins or losses matter super drastically that they need, like they have to panic and do anything in, in yeah. it, like immediately, but it's not well, really a panic yeah. move. If you like the guy. Yeah. I like, I don't view it as a panic move. It's just a move to get better. And I'm not talking like Devon Reed is going to win us games or anything, but he's definitely a guy who can fill in the margins. Like he's a good margin guy. And this team could use a little more of that. So like, why not? And what is like bull bull bringing you that Devon, like Devon Reed isn't nothing like Devon Devon Reed can keep a seat warm just as well as bull bull. That's all bull bull's doing right now. So like, why not? Let's do one final question here. This comes from Connor. He says, uh, who are your way too early free agent targets for this off season or what type of, what archetype of player would you hope that the Nuggets add? Um, oh, brother. I... So this this is a little bit too far out for me personally to, to uh-huh. get into the specifics, but here's what I'm going to say. Uh, the Nuggets have three, six. Uh, they have, I think, 10 guys out of 15. Mm-hmm. Let's just let me just do that math here real quick. Yeah. Maybe nine guys uh, that they they have in roster spots for next season and they just do not have a bunch of money to play around with uh, as long as like they're going to go into the luxury tax as well. So they are not going to have the full 
uh, non-taxpayer mid-level. They're going to have the taxpayer mid-level. And that's if they want to go over the tax anyway, because, well, yeah. they're, they're going to, but if they, if they want to go deeper into the tax. So there are going to be some cheaper players that they're going to have to look for. But yeah. here's who they have kind of tied to their roster going forward. Uh, Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter, Nikola Jokic, Will Barton is under contract next year. Monte Morris is under contract next year. Jeff Green has a player option. I hope that he's back. Uh, Bones Highland, Zeke Naji, uh, Jamichael Green has a player, or I think he has a player option. Yeah, he has a he has a player option next year as well. So Jeff and Jamichael Green both have player options. The rest of the regular rotation outside of Faku Campazzo is back. Uh, PJ Dozier, also somebody that. Uh, he is an unrestricted free agent too. So, or no, he's a restricted guy. Yeah. Or I think he's, I think he's restricted, but so maybe two way wing, maybe that's what you look for in, in free agency, maybe another seven footer. That's, that's probably the holes they are looking to fill unless that changes at the trade deadline this year. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's where I would start with this conversation. Yeah. Um, I have no clue who are free agents after this year. I'm being completely honest. So, uh, I can I can do draft guys and I can do archetypes. Like as far as archetypes go, Ryan more or less covered it. As far as like guys, maybe they could get in the draft because that's my forte. Uh, they'll probably be picking somewhere around the twenty range, and in that range, there's Benedict Matherin, who I mentioned already, who's like a guy. He's I believe six. Let me check real quick. Benedict Matherin is six 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 seven. 210 okay, pounds. Nobody, nobody under six four. Yeah, he's from Arizona. <laughs> he is a guy. Arizona does a lot of switching, so he has he's familiar with switching, which is something the Nuggets like to do. And he's a good defender, makes the right rotations, all that kind of stuff. He's a sophomore, so he's a little older, has a little more experience under his belt. He's a great shooter, shooting 44% from three, if I remember correctly. Like he is right. someone who I'd love the Nuggets to get. Trevor Keels from Duke is a guy I'd like to look at. He's he's more of like the lockdown defensive kind of guy. He's six four, but he's built like a truck. Like he reminds me of uh, early Gary Harris in a way, where he is a, a decent three point shooter, not as good as Gary was. Off ball kind of guy who can be off ball. Great defender. Like that's kind of the pitch on Keels. I haven't watched a ton of him so far, but from what I've seen, he's someone who I'd love on the Nuggets. And then the last guy I'll shout out is Adrian Griffin or AJ Griffin from Duke. He is someone who is top 10 on my board, but might fall due to injury concerns, which the Nuggets have a history of taking those kind of guys. He is a good on-ball defender, off-ball defender, shot maker, He's someone who I could see really filling in on that two spot after Will Barton kind of ages out of that. If, kind of, if he drops down to the nuggets range, he's six, six He's built like a bulldog. Like he is someone who will give you what you need if you're the nuggets. Yeah. And I'm, I'm of the opinion. I think this is a good way, like, like the free agent or not the, the, the trade conversation, like the trade yeah. conversation, don't invest resources like draft picks in backup centers. Uh, it's it's just not something that Denver should be doing, in my opinion, unless that yeah. player can also play the four. 
um, or also has the versatility to do so, like Zeke Naji, where they found somebody that it actually turns out Zeke Naji makes some sense at the four, that sometimes yeah. he can play the three, where, but it just makes more sense that he can play with Jokic rather than being somebody that kind of carries the burden without him. Uh, and then just sign, sign a free agent that, that can fill the gaps behind Jokic from a, a center perspective. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I think that's going to do it. We went for about an hour here, and I wanted to keep it to about that. Uh, do you have any other takes you want to fire off before we get out of here? I still – okay. This one is going to be a spicy one, and it'll be the one I end off on. Once Jamal Murray gets back, the Nuggets are still my pick to win. The, no, they're not my pick, but I believe they can still win the championship. I think people would be crazy if they just counted out Denver. When when if you if you get Jamal Murray back mm-hmm. and you have Aaron Gordon this time around, you still have Will yep. Barton, you still have Monte Morris. You've got a lot mm-hmm. of players, and like Jeff Green is somebody that they didn't have in their run with. Uh, like in the bubble, like they, Jeff yeah. Green would have been super helpful against mm-hmm. a team like the Lakers, where you can switch him on to LeBron James or Anthony Davis, and he'll do a little bit better of a job than a Paul Millsap did. Or uh, yeah. maybe he he has a little bit more mobility than somebody like Paul in a Jazz series or a Clipper series yeah. or something like that. Yeah, uh, I'm with you, man. Yeah, because like people forget in the in the bubble, they went to the Western Conference Finals with. A Michael Porter, who was like not a good player at the time, like he was a good shooter, but he was terrible if you gave him the rock and he was terrible on defense. Like he just wasn't really that good of a player. Uh, It was mainly just Jamal and Jokic pick and roll and then like guys. And if Jamal Murray comes back and can reach the heights that he was before he got injured last year, he's basically bubble Jamal. And also they can just spam Jokic and Jamal pick and roll, which is about as deadly as any play in the league and they have a better surrounding cast this time they have an Aaron Gordon instead of a Jeremy Grant who Grant was great uh but I like Gordon's fit a little better on offense and I think Gordon is a better LeBron defender than Jeremy Grant because he's stronger he can I think Gordon's a just better. a better defender like honestly yeah, yeah I like do it's too. just it's just like you need to have the fundamental rebounding you need to be physical you need yeah. to be willing to bang. And I just don't think that Grant was really willing to do that. And, and Gordon like, is, is, more is Aaron to. Gordon going to stop uh, LeBron? Probably not. No. He's going to stop Luca? Probably not. But he's at least going to do a little bit better against those guys. And, and I think the margins will be a little bit better for Denver. And that's all you can really ask for in a playoff series. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. And also, they'll have a healthy Will Barton, hopefully. Like, Will Barton... Didn't play in the bubble. People forget Knock that. Knock on wood right now. Like, do, do it where, wherever you can find a piece of wood. Knock it until your knuckles are raw. Like, I, because- I, I, I did. But, like, if Will Barton is healthy, they have Will Barton, which they didn't have in the bubble. They have they have guys this, this time around. And I, they didn't have that great of depth in the bubble. So I'm with I, you there. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, that is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. He is Asher Levy. Make sure to go follow him at Ash Manzini. Uh, make sure to go check out the Patreon page. Like I said, he does great work on the draft over there, and you, he, he absolutely deserves all of the credit in the world for that. 
Uh, Asher is, is doing some great stuff for us over at Denver Stiff stuff that I'm, I'm really excited to debut uh, when it gets a little bit closer to time. Uh, but we are very excited about that. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. I'll be back tomorrow uh, to cover the next Nuggets game. Uh, Thank you so much. Talk to you guys very soon.